Welcome to That's All, a weekly debrief about anything and everything happening in fashion and pop culture with Cozzy and M. I'm Cozzy. And I'm M. And this is our first episode. Hi. Hello. Very excited to be here. So we decided to cement our friendship by creating this podcast. We haven't known each other for that long. No, how else would you start a friendship? We are very new friends, very fresh friends. Yeah, but I think we both kind of bonded over our like deranged love of pop culture and we met at a dinner and then I was like, cool, we should hang. I remember we were like having this conversation and I was like, yeah, I've been wanting to start a podcast for ages, but like haven't found the right person or whatever. And then you were like, oh my God, me too. Or like you said it first and then I was like, holy shit, me too. And then I was trying to suss, I was like, is she going to think I'm totally cooked? If I'm like, should we start a podcast? And then I did. I thought you were kidding at first, but we're here now. So welcome. I know. Welcome. Welcome to That's All. But you have to say it like how Miranda says it. That's all. We wanted to start today with our recommendations. So this is how we'll start sort of every episode we think at this point in time. God knows how we'll be feeling next week, but we're here. Yeah. What we've been watching, reading, doing this week. So Em, what have you been watching, reading and doing this week? I There's been so much to consume this week that I've kind of felt overloaded and I'm just going with the one that was the most light and the most fun. Love. I listened to Taylor Momsen on Podcrushed. Oh my God, with Penn Badgley. Yes, so it's Penn Badgley's podcast. And I'm not usually the biggest fan of like celebrity hosted podcasts just because it feels like faux intimacy kind of, but they get good guests. And I like hearing people that I know that I've like seen on my screen talk and Podcrushed fills that hole. So they interviewed Taylor Momsen, obviously, Jenny on Gossip Girl. Little J, we stand. Everyone knows her. Anyway, it was the first time that she and Penn Badgley had caught up since Gossip Girl had ended, like 10 years ago. Naturally, very intrigued. I also realized when I was listening to it that I've never consumed anything about her. I've never read any interviews. And I think I had just subliminally fallen into the trap that Hollywood set. I feel like she was vilified for years just for being like that wild child rebellious girl starting a rock band because that's the worst thing you can do as a human but yeah it was a great listen she speaks about the typical like child actor struggles working from single digit ages in a very adult world my god the pressure of being like america's sweetheart now being in the pretty reckless which is actually a very good band yeah i was gonna say have you listened to their music actually really good because i went through a brief phase i reckon like year 11 or 12 and i listened to i feel like i have this thing where I listened to a band but I listened to like one or two songs and I got really into listening to this one song I think it was called Medicine when I would study and I would just like listen to it on repeat and it was just she's really good she's got a great voice I think everyone was like because she had such a transformation on the show from like innocent girl to like wears extensions and wears you know lots of eyeliner and you know wears suspenders and whatever and then she like did that she did that as Jenny and then she did that in real life and everyone was like it's just like art imitating life da, 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 or life imitating art and yeah she did kind of get vilified a little bit exactly and they did kind of touch on that art imitates life because she said that Eric Damon the costume designer let the girls have quite a bit of say over what they wore so I'd always wondered if it was a chicken or egg situation right. as to whether she was influenced by Jenny's aesthetic or Jenny like, was a little bit versa. of Taylor Momsen. Yeah. I think for a show that's retained its status because of the wardrobe, that was a great move. Oh, totally. I mean, no one's really remembering. I mean, I remember, but like no one really remembers like the dresses from the first two seasons before she has that metamorphosis. It's like afterwards, everyone's like edgy Jenny, amazing. The feathery bangs Jenny, worst haircut in the world Jenny. And that's because of the show. But I think you're right. I've never heard it put that way, like the chicken or egg situation. 
It also, the interview itself made me think of an interview with Lena Dunham from years ago where she's talking about girls and like the height of girls era. And she makes a point that Marnie as a character is so lost and super all over the place and it's confusing to watch because she's pretty. That stuck with me because it's really true. You're watching girls and you're, you're rooting for Marnie and it's kind of only because she's got that confused girl next door thing going. That's actually a very good point because I always kind of rooted for her, but I was like, you suck at the same time. So that's what I listen to. Highly recommend listening if you were a Gossip Girl girly. And if you're listening to this podcast, you obviously are. So what have you been doing this week? I like that you got your recommendation to just one because I have like four on here, Um, but I'll go through them quickly. I read the Jimmy Fallon expose that came out in Rolling Stone earlier this week. Very ick, but very interesting. All about sort of the toxic behavior on set, his behavior, the behavior of the showrunners. And then it makes total sense why they went through so many showrunners in so many years. And I think a lot of the information is is kind of already out there. He's, his struggle with alcoholism, things like that. But it really kind of coalesced into this sort of listing of just like horrible things that were going on. And I've never really liked Jimmy Fallon. I've always found him the worst of the late night show hosts. Also just because quite frankly, he never lets anyone finish a story. They're telling a story and he starts laughing or he cuts them off. And I'm like, babes, you're not doing a job. You need to sit there and let the guests do the thing. And then you react, like take a leaf out of Graham Norton's book. I'm sorry. He has that real like nice guy thing going on where he's too interested in what the guest is talking about. It's very Ellen, James Corden. And as we know from Ellen, James Corden. Didn't end well. Hasn't ended well for either of those people. So I kind of had a bit of a schadenfreude moment reading it. I was, I had a little smirk on my face, which is, you know, probably not very charitable, but he's not very charitable and I've never liked him. So whatever, not planning to start now. I'm an empath, but not for Jimmy Fallon. And so I, I read that. I listened to Guts, Olivia Rodrigo's album, which was just insane, like insanely good. That was fantastic. I love All American Bitch. I love Ballad of a Homeschooled Girl. I really like all of them, to be honest, but those are my kind of top picks. It was very fun, like walking around, feeling like I could just like kick the air listening to her. So I've listened to that. It took me back to like the Avril days of like... She's so Avril, it's insane. She's so Avril and like Paramore. People always say, oh, she's so... She wears influences on her sleeve, da 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 And I'm like, yeah, and I appreciate that. It's good. She does it really well. And I think that she knew from the first album, people really responded to songs like Brutal and the other kind of really heavily guitar pop ballads and I think she's really continued that in guts and then I also watched Starstruck the third season of Starstruck which if you haven't watched is on ABC iView all three seasons are on iView it's basically a reverse Notting Hill story so regular girl hooks up with guy guy turns out to be famous actor and it's sort of the hijinks that ensue with that Um, but it's the third season that was the first season essentially and then the third season is kind of different facets of their relationship. Jesse, the main character, is played by Rose Matafeo and all of the supporting characters are either New Zealand or English and they're just great. Do you remember there was that, I don't know if it was like Disney or some adjacent, it was called Starstruck as well and it was the same thing. Do you mean like the Disney Channel movie? Yes. Oh my God, only the best Disney Channel movie of our time and two of the songs from the movie are on my most played on Spotify. Oh my God, why does that not surprise me at all? So I'd not watched it. And then one weekend I was like, I'm just going to go into Disney Plus and like 
suss out their original movies. Yeah, it's the one when the one with the guy with the blonde hair. Yeah, and he's the famous person, and he meets that girl who hates him. Classic enemies to lovers. Yeah, and very of the time as well. Very 2010. It's so good. That's what I thought you were talking about, and no. I was like, interesting wreck. I'm a huge fan of both of those things. How's the two for one wreck? I didn't think I would be getting the chance to ever talk about Starstruck, the Disney Channel original film, on this podcast. Here we are, episode one. So a bit of a topic change now to something a little bit serious. I mentioned the Jimmy Fallon expose a few minutes ago. Another expose has dropped over the weekend. We are going to talk about Russell Brand. So essentially, Russell Brand has been accused of rape, sexual assaults and emotional abuse. He's been accused of this during a seven year period at the height of his fame between 2006 and 2013. This is while he was a presenter for the BBC, Channel 4 and while he was acting kind of at the peak of his fame in Hollywood films, there have been others who have also made a range of accusations about his controlling, abusive and predatory behavior. He's denied these allegations and said all of his relationships have been consensual. So most of this information is coming from, basically all of this information is coming from a joint investigation between the Sunday Times, the Times and Channel 4 dispatches in the UK. And there have been a bunch of articles in the Sunday Times and the Times, and there's also been a proper documentary on Channel 4 Dispatches, which is essentially, you could call it like a Four Corners of the UK. I watched it on Sunday. Very intense Sunday afternoon viewing. Very heavy. I watched about half of it today. Yeah, essentially it's sort of same thing in each story. But the really kind of, it's all shocking, but the really kind of horrible one that has stayed with me is that one woman has alleged that Brand assaulted her when he was 31 and she was just 16. She said that he referred to her as the child during their kind of relationship that lasted for three months. He assaulted her. It's textbook grooming her recount of the events was just disgusting there are rumors of like all this behavior it's all said to be an open secret by everyone in the uk and overseas and essentially over the weekend i saw some tweets of people in the uk media being like something's going on at sunday times something big is dropping over the weekend it's going to be about a high profile person in the british media it's going to seriously redefine the way that we look at me too in this country and i was like what's this gonna be and then i woke up on sunday morning and i was like oh it's russell brand and I subscribed to this gossip sort of email blast called Pot Bitch. And they said that essentially the same thing as the tweets. Something's coming on the weekend. It will drastically redefine the way that we look at Me Too. And they're usually always on the money. They were reporting about Weinstein for years, reporting about Philip Schofield for years, lots of other people who have been in the media recently. And this this has come out and it's just awful, really. Big week, especially for celebrity pieces to camera. When I sat there on Sunday watching it, I was like, how many times have I sat down to like watch or listen or read an, about an investigation like this? Like, you know, the sexual assault, the rape, the sexual misconduct, somebody gets dropped from their representation. There's a suspension. It's at the top of the Daily Mail, you know, off the top of my head. I can think of, you know, in America, Danny Masterson recently, but then in the UK, you've got Prince Andrew, you've got Dan Wooden, who everyone just hates, Philip Schofield, you've got Hugh Edwards from the BBC, and I'm sure that's just the tip of the iceberg. But the fact that I can even rattle off those names so quickly and that's from like what most of those are from this year yeah the timing is very interesting because as you mentioned danny masterson's sentencing just last week and there's been a very very messy conversation around that but is this another me too wave do you think or is russell brand just another name on the list i wonder i think there's there's something going on in the uk at the moment with just the way that this is being churned out and i think i feel like when it starts it will keep going for a bit i feel like because he's such a huge name i didn't really think of him as being that huge and then when i watched the documentary 
documentary, I was like, God, he really was just at the center of everything during that particular time in the mid 2000s, the late 2000s. I do wonder if more will come out. Absolutely. More people, more allegations. I think there are probably going to be a lot of nervous people, but he definitely preempted this because he came out with a statement before the documentary dropped and before the articles dropped. And it was sort of this really chaotic video on YouTube because he's got so many subscribers and he broadcast a statement on his YouTube channel saying that the allegations were astonishing that he absolutely refutes but he's he had this section of the video where he said he had a very promiscuous time in his life and he said now during that time of promiscuity the relationships I had were absolutely always consensual I was always transparent about that then almost too transparent and I'm being transparent about it now as well and in between where he says absolutely always consensual between always and consensual there's like a cut it the video glitches that's and it's just the weirdest thing i'm like surely if you were his pr person you'd be like babes i think we're just going to re-record that bit yeah just retake that sentence because that sentence particularly why would you cut there so weird i just found it so odd all of this feels so inevitable and unsurprising like I don't know why I just assumed there'd already been allegations and maybe it's because like that quote he calls it like a period of promiscuity or whatever he has always had that kind of like brazen sexuality as his brand and he's used that to demean women historically and it doesn't take much looking to find evidence of him speaking about women in a really awful derogatory way oh totally and in the documentary like there are so many like so he must be kicking himself now so many horrible references to then real life things that these women are accusing him of doing but also you're in a culture where he got crowned shagger of the year like three years in a row that was an actual award that the sun had the sun yeah God. like the newspaper who else has won that? I have to know. I don't know. I don't want to know. But three years in a row during this time period? Yeah, like when he the was 2000. huge. God. And also I know this is irrelevant, but he teased his hair up so much. It was shocking to me. I didn't realize how big his hair was. His appearance is part of it though, because I saw a clip that came up on TikTok in the past like 24 hours. He openly said that he looks a certain way. So women think he looks gay and they feel safe around him. Oh, not, not creepy and weird at all. No, a very naughty take it's that and it's the public controversies and it's the numerous instances of I don't know misplaced morals that I had just assumed there were allegations already and also the fact that he just seems so culty well also to be fair like Catherine Ryan who's a really great comedian in the UK she's actually American or Canadian I think she's American but she said in an interview with Louis Theroux a few years ago there is one British comedian who is he is a predator he is you know a sex offender he has assaulted women but she wouldn't name him because she said he's so and she uses the word specifically that he is so litigious and, oh it, and she said it's dangerous for me to even be having this conversation for us to be having this conversation oh I'd love to know the conversations that went on behind Closed me doors. too I was like that girl is talking when the mic is off but a lot of people thought it was Russell Brand or various other big names of the UK comedy scene did you read about how they were like doing all of the investigations into channel four when he was on all of the shows on there there no. was all these like accounts of inappropriate behavior Oh, on channel four they had to come out and say we did get freedom of information requests and we yeah there were a lot of freedom of information requests for the bbc and channel four but what i thought was so interesting is yeah there were all these allegations that he would go to female audience members and like get staff to approach female audience members to like to tell them that he would meet them after filming basically like getting these people to work as a pimp for him but That was on Channel 4. Channel 4 are the ones who put this story out there on Channel 4 Dispatches. 
And then a spokesperson for the channel had to say, you know, Channel 4 is appalled to learn of these deeply troubling allegations. We've carried out extensive document searches and found no evidence that these alleged incidents were brought to the attention of Channel 4. And I'm like, your investigative department series show is doing this. The call is coming from inside the house, babe. Yeah, they're having to go. Can you imagine? Like, they're having to go to themselves. And then only one comedian was willing to go on the record to speak about him and use his real name. It was Daniel Sloss. I think it's a little bit bare minimum to come out and say, yes, this is the rumor in the I know industry. It, it is the bare minimum but I feel like he's the only one who did it I Which feel like huge. it's kind of like above like it's not above and beyond like I agree we're clapping him for doing the bare minimum but so many people aren't doing that exactly I want to know who else they reached out to yeah me too and then he's like I have known for many many years that women have been warning each other about Russell there are like online groups for female comedians and it really reminded me of in Hollywood it's when it's considered to be like an open secret when you had all this when the Weinstein stuff came out so many of those Oscars jokes took on a new kind of color like when Seth MacFarlane would say oh ladies it's over you don't have to pretend to like Harvey anymore or be close to Harvey anymore or whatever and then you're like well people are he's assaulting people behind the scenes and everyone's making little jokes about it and this is really horrible and it, it reminded me of that to be honest then the fact that people aren't speaking out it goes to show just how scared they are of russell brandon just how scared they are of this entire discourse yeah part of it i feel like he has that particular brand of narcissism that is applauded and celebrated and when it's applauded and celebrated they think they're untouchable and they did use that word a couple of times in the docker and when his entire brand is being cocky and preachy and lewd it's like the perfect storm of various symptoms of entitlement and it's that entitlement i think that lends itself to abominable acts towards women and in this case russell brand is just exhibit a we were having this conversation earlier about the me too movement and russell brand within that and kind of how he must have been waiting for this for quite a while surely and now I'm interested after this, are more people going to come out? Are we going to get more anonymous allegations? Are we going to get people putting their names and faces to things? Especially when, like I said before, it's been right in front of us this for whole years. Time. And I think that's one of the most common ways that we perpetuate rape culture, which he's benefited from for so long because he's publicly degraded women under the guise of comedy. And he's been very open about the role that he expects women to play on stage to hundreds of thousands of people but it's just a joke isn't he so funny and outrageous and on that I feel comedy is kind of a hard one for me too to crack especially British comedy is a hard one for me too to crack because comics are typically very switched on people you need to be clever to be funny their entire job is managing audience expectations and manipulating perception in a way. That's a really good point. I think I've read, I feel like I've read so many articles about different facets of the culture that Me Too hasn't hit, whether it be comedy, which I feel like I've definitely read something on The Hollywood Reporter or a variety about that. And, you know, classical music and different parts of Hollywood. And even in like editing suites or different aspects, I think there are certainly parts that just haven't been cracked open by Me Too yet. But I think the way that Russell has rebranded himself as this kind of alternative viewpoint on the internet where he's got he's got seven million subscribers on youtube and i think you think you know what was the timeline of him deciding to make that pivot he's got a whole bunch of people who distrust the mainstream media who immediately distrust all of these things that have come out about him and it's like that 
is very interesting to see how he's positioned himself after all these years. He's sort of in the perfect place to have a built-in fan base that will not, which is that won't think about anything. Exactly, which is why I think very cynically that he will weather this storm because I think I also think about in the vein of comedy, I think about James Franco and Chris D'Elia and Louis C.K. and they were relatively untouched by very damning allegations and in Louis C.K.'s case, he... He just kept going. He confirmed everything that had been alleged and he has since won another Grammy and Chris D'Elia is still touring sellout shows. Is Chris D'Elia the guy who was in You? Yes. Oh my God. And then he turned out to, he was the creepy guy in You and then he totally turned out to be the creepy guy in real life. Exactly. He matches his storyline and talk about life imitating art. Because allegations came out in 2020, fresh Mm. allegations have come out since with underage girls and extremely disgusting heinous things but he is literally selling merch that says join our cult he oh, is leaning gross. into it in what? the most i didn't know that it's Ew. awful it's awful and that is ick also i hate james franco just for the record he sucks he sucks they they all suck or they, they all suck. suck they all suck and i feel like if james franco has come out the other side somewhat i mean he's going oh on podcast totally crystalia and louis ck obviously have come out the other side yeah then russell brand with his very loyal fan base mm. will weather the storm also really not fun pr move when the first person to come out and support you is andrew tate oh my god yeah and also his wife is pregnant his wife is pregnant with their third child no. which is just horrible no yeah i didn't know that yeah i found out today i knew they had two kids together and then it was like she's expecting their third and i was like that's awful Mm. um yeah i saw that today and then people are kind of now i mean which is not ideal guessing who the next person who on the chopping block is which is not you know not how we should be kind of being as a culture it's very stressful and horrible and i don't think we should be thinking like that but it is sort of inevitable when you have things like this come out and one of the people one of the names has been going around as someone that i quite like so that's not ideal but who's that it's um yeah i mean it's not like i'm gonna get sued hopefully it's all alleged uh noel fielding from he hosts the great british bake-off but he used to be on never the buzzcocks he kind of looks like a crow yeah like he's got the dark hair and everything and i didn't know this he went out with i don't think this is alleged this is in the papers and everything uh so it must be real uh he went out with pixie geldof when she was like 16 Ooh. There are photos of them together and like hanging out. And then he had this like really sus quote where he's like, yeah, there's so much chemistry between us, but you know, she's so young and people say that um, we're seen together and then, you know, we must be like getting married or getting a marriage license or whatever, but people can just be friends. And I'm like, there's no reason why you as a 31 year old should be hanging out with 16 year old Pixie Geldof. I'm sorry. Genuinely, what do you have to talk about? I know. It's a bit like how people have realized that when Sophie Turner and Joe Jonas started dating she was 20 and he was 27 yeah yeah but it's it's just a little bit weird and it also reminds me it reminds me there's a different sort of situation but same sort of thing with the age difference when millie bobby brown was like yeah me and drake text all the time i'm like what are you and drake talking about i'm sorry what's that like who was having that conversation what is that I'm not even texting my like 16 year old cousins to ask how their day is (laughs) literally you know what like (laughs) shut up so weird anyway so i read that about no fielding people have been talking about that that's the next sector to be hit great british bake-off no don't say that great no, british bake-off is impenetrable in my mind this obviously had to happen because obviously 
the British entertainment industry was a little bit slower on the uptake than Me Too in America yeah. and Australia even more so. Oh yeah, for sure. So I'm wondering, is this the catalyst for the latest wave of Me Too in America? And will that kick off something here? Or will comedy always just be that very messy kind of underground I think it will fringe just, entertainment? I think it will depend. I really don't... I don't know. I think there's something going on in the UK. I feel like there's just... Something in the water. Yeah, there's something in the water. There's something in that brown brown water in the capital that's just going wrong. But it's it's very interesting to see what's happening and so many like apology videos at the moment so many videos of celebrities taking responsibility for things i'm actually over it i saw a tweet that was something like do all celebrities have like a humble room in their house for when they need to apologize oh my god literally i'm like can i stop seeing you like looking sad without makeup trying to explain your way out of this thing that is like kind of shit it's very like beauty youtube circa 2016 17 oh my god like me having to watch four minutes of um drew barrymore yesterday apologize for like scabbing on the strike i was like why am i doing this this is four minutes that i could be putting somewhere else and she's not even making any sense and this is just silly and she looks sad her room wasn't as humble as ashton and mila's part of their house no but the fact that i've seen both of their houses in a week and them being silly towards the camera just makes me annoyed oh it's mental and it's it's a bit weird because it feels like the kind of like nice guy downfall, like these people who yeah. have been like on pedestals and like revered for just being so humble and lovely. Which is why we shouldn't put celebrities on pedestals. Exactly. And it's I like, say that and I'm also the worst person because I put them on pedestals constantly. So don't do. don't listen to me, but, but also listen to me. It's kind of like those people who have like, it costs nothing to be kind in their Instagram bios and they're absolute menaces to society. Yeah, it's the ultimate villain reveal, I think. The ni- it was the nice guy the whole time. Yeah. You know. And even after the apology videos and even after the talk shows shut down, it still feels like they're trying to make us feel like the fools. Like, especially in the Drew situation and the, like, Ashton and Miller situation. Obviously, Drew's decision complied with strike rules. How silly are we? But what's it all for? Like, did they not expect people would question the morality over the technicality of the rules. Yeah, like, that's the thing. It's like... She is a WGA member. That's literally... That is the bottom line. She is a member of the guild. Ergo, she should not be working. And she's she's a really interesting case because she's so beloved on so many levels. And she's so that person who everyone's like, Drew could never do anything wrong. Drew is an icon. Like, Drew's been through it. Drew's been child star. Drugs, all this stuff. And now to be yeah done over the strike and just going through her comments yesterday so many other celebrities i've never seen so many blue ticks on one person's post and they were all like i'm so disappointed in you drew you know you could do better so disappointed this is so upsetting to see and i was like oh my god i'm this is imagine getting all those comments i would be it's like getting a bad report card what did she expect yeah exactly genuinely i want to know what conversations were had and it's the same in the Ashton and Miller thing. Yeah. Did did they not have the conversation about what will people think? That yeah. feels like very, very baseline. It's part of being a celebrity. Yeah, it's a shitty part of being a celebrity. Yeah. But you still have to do it. You literally have a, a publicist. Use them. They need to adopt the Russell brand. Question everything. Sense. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh. Anyway. Grim. Anyway, let's move on to something a little bit lighter and brighter. This is our petition for some celebrities to just please shut up. Anyways, we need to talk about something lighter because yes. we just 
weekend. This week has been miserable. It's I'm been so really sorry. dark. We will have more fun weeks. Yeah. Sorry that Maybe. everyone's just been really behaving horribly this week. Our favorite new couple. Oh, yes. Kylie and Timmy. My we, least favorite new couple. What you don't know is that we spoke about this in one of our practice episodes. And Cozzy wasn't a believer. I'm still and not. Since, but we'll talk about it. Let's unpack it. Since I wasn't then, a believer. There's video evidence. Mm. I, I feel bad for them because they could just be having a good time and they yeah could just want to go to a concert together. I think they're just hooking up. Like it yeah. was, But it was so funny. We did this practice episode and I was like, I don't believe they're together. There's been no photos of them together. It's just like they Range Rovers at other people, at you know, people's houses. We don't even know if it's them and the Range Rovers. And then literally 12 hours later, we see them at Beyonce. They obviously heard me like through the ether. Chris Jenner heard you. Chris heard me. She heard me. And so we got the photos and then I wake up to videos of them making out and I'm like, okay, yeah, all right, we're in conf- our confirmation era. Can we talk about Kylie's evolution though? Because I've, mm. people haven't, people were super hesitant to believe the rumors at first and part of it feels like a little bit misogynistic as most commentary on the Kardashians does. But I, in my head, Timmy is over in one corner in like the... I'm an art house indie boy. Yeah. Oh, he's an A24 boy. Yeah. A24 who's like made it to the mainstream, but still doing very peculiar roles, I guess yeah. you'd call it. And like, he's not in a Marvel movie. On his way to being like a respectable, real actor. Oh yeah, totally. He's, he's on that vibe. Whereas. He's giving like Daniel Day-Lewis. Yeah. That's what sure. it is. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas Kylie's in that uh, reality TV, in the Hollywood, Hollywood, in the socialite kind of scene, which we don't look upon very favorably. No, it's just completely, it's totally different. I think if anything, I feel like he's more Hollywood, Hollywood, because he's like, he's acting, he's acting Hollywood, but she's like reality, more money than sense. The Kardashians infiltrate, infiltrate everywhere sort of vibe but yeah like even me saying that I'm like it's not fair the way I'm talking about her versus him because in my mind I'm like he's in a more respectable part of Hollywood there's nothing really respectable about either things it's just the same thing but his work is more palatable to me than her work even though I do watch the Kardashians I'm not a hater I love them I refuse to watch Wonka when it comes out I just oh I I won't be watching Wonka no I've seen that stupid clip of the quiet up and listen down way too many times actually it just made me shudder I feel like Kylie's kind of in her, like, it's a cultural awakening. She's, because it's not just Timothy. She's also been kind of making her mark in fashion. Yes. And previously we, we kind of left that to like Kim and Kendall and Courtney tried to get a foot in last year. but Yeah, it didn't quite work out for um, Courtney. So but Kylie's kind of like, it's like she's lining up her duck. She's like, I've got my my little tweak boyfriend and <laughs> yeah. I had my lion head situation. That's like, a really good point. She's got her little fashion boyfriend and now she's trying to be a fashion girl. Yeah. Which makes sense because, I mean, you were really you were really into like the acne campaign. I thought it was interesting. Not you were into it, but we discussed it. Yeah. I thought it was an interesting move because I would argue that, yeah, I would argue that acne is definitely cooler than say like Dolce & Gabbana. Yeah, for sure is a very hard and Kendall's work with Prada like it is a much cooler more down with the kids brand yeah it's different so it's kind of surprising 
But actually, side note, what is with mud in fashion at the moment? Oh my God. Well, was she s- mud or was it grease? It looked like just that like dirty look. It just didn't look nice. Yeah. She, and then and then what was the brand? Um, What was the label at Fashion Week who did all the mud? The girls Eleanor in the mud? Fellas? That was intense. That was intense. And I don't really, I, I don't really know what I thought about it because I thought. I, I just I saw just, it and I was, I was like, jarring. Yeah, I saw it and I was like, whoa. I but, didn't really know what to think. I was just like, oh, that's happening. An interesting statement nonetheless. Yeah. Question mark at the end. I feel like I saw people having takes on it and I just wasn't there enough to take in the takes. Too many other things to have takes on this week. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I feel like I was like, I was like, I saw it. I internalized it for about 30 seconds and then I moved on. For me, what's interesting is especially about the Kardashians and how they either lead trends or follow trends. And I think previously we just assumed that they led them and now we're realizing that they and kind of all businesses and brands are the ones following the trends. And this, they're all in a new era, not just Kylie with Timothy, but Kim with Pete and Courtney with Travis. And it's kind yeah. of, they've departed from the previous era of cool, which was sports stars, athletes, yeah. like that very traditional idea of masculinity. Whereas now, now we're they're kind like, of looking to... Where are my skinny boys at? yeah okay where are my malnourished boys yeah literally I think it's very interesting and I think uh Kylie is definitely on this sort of she's classing it up she is she's going to the U.S. Open where like what would she ever be doing that previously would she ever be you know doing these more high fashion things going to the dinner for Hyder Ackerman yeah picture picture Kylie's like teal hair doing any of these things literally I was just just, thinking about the dip dye I was like made up it's pretend yeah and the fact that she was at acne the acne store with Jordan Woods broke my brain I was like the fact that they're still friends obviously that's fine I'm assuming they'd been friends for a while undercover and we just didn't know about it but I was like this Kardashian cutoff and Kylie Jenner at acne and we're all like excited about it and it's a thing the matrix is glitched but I did love seeing her at the US Open with Timothy. I really liked how she was wearing, this is so niche, but I really liked that she was wearing the like teeny tiny Cartier Panther watch because that's the watch that Timothy wears. He's been seen in New York wearing it. Only you would notice that. Well, I have noticed it, yeah. And it's, I read this article in GQ where they call Timmy, he's part of the itty bitty watch society. And Kylie was wearing the watch and I was like, they really must be together if, if they're wearing matching watches. Cause he sees you, Kylie. I don't know why that got me, but it did. Who knows? Like, who knows how long they'll be together? Who knows if they're just hooking up? We will never know. It's fun though. And I mean, it's this is just the next stage in Kylie's image. And I'm kind of yeah. vibing it. Like she's had her motherhood storyline. She's now having her like cultural coming of age, her mm. sartorial adventures and misadventures. And it's fun. I just feel like I was really ambivalent about Kim and Pete and like Kanye and Julia and I feel like this is the first time I'm like oh yeah I have a modicum of interest probably because I like Timothy generally and to be honest when I say I was disinterested in Kim and Pete I was like really I had lots of thoughts and opinions but I just like didn't I'm not a fan of Pete I'm a fan of Kim but like this is the first relationship where I'm like I'm actually interested to see where this goes I feel like it will be finishing up soon but I'm intrigued nonetheless can't wait until there's a little statement to be like, oh, our scheduling was so hard. Or a source told people 
yeah. that they had to uh it was really difficult they really liked one another but their schedules just weren't matching also she's got two children yeah what are they talking I f- about i forget that like she's got two children she's co-parenting she's got like nine thousand businesses and now mm. she's working with scandy brands like the girl's busy so we were talking about kind of you know brands cool brands bigger brands like Dolce & Gabbana, smaller brands like Acne, but there's been a lot going on in the fashion world recently with creative directors and the people who are in and the people who are out. And obviously the big news recently, well, for me at least personally, is that Sarah Burton is out. She's leaving McQueen. She's been there since 1996. She's the only assistant Lee McQueen ever had. She was named his successor in 2010 as the creative director of the brand. She designed... Princess Catherine. It's so weird saying Princess Catherine. I'm like, Kate, oh, Kate Middleton. It's Kate Middleton. It's Kate, mate. Kate Middleton's wedding dress and Pippa's bridesmaid's dress, more famously, I think. So very, very established in British fashion and world fashion. And she's out. And she's out. I feel like every day I'm just waiting for the next like little business of fashion post to pop up on someone's story. It's a big chess game. And at the start, I loved it. But now I'm a little bit confused by it because obviously Gabriella first left Chloe very recently as well. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy Scott left Moschino earlier this year. There's so much. And then you've got Pharrell Williams who just did his first collection for Louis Vuitton. More like, obviously he's so well-versed in so much, but more a celebrity. He's a creative in his industry, but not so much, I would say, like a f- traditional fashion person, which is obviously where they're going with this. It's more you want more holistic approaches to fashion than just, oh, they know how to cut a pattern. or what. Yeah, it kind of feels like of creative directors where are expecting to be like every marketing girly or like every magazine girly where they're expected to know every part about everything of the business. Like they're not just doing one thing. They're, they have to devote 100% of their time to content and social media and e-com and ads and copy and branding. And on top of that, they also need to have their own public image and their own audience and creative directors. You're not going to find one person to do all that when you're just kind of like churning through. No. And that's definitely not someone like Sarah Burton who has no social media presence. I read this great article in the cut um, about her today and she was just like, oh, you know, usually when I'm at the shows or whatever, when she's out, people are usually asking her to move or to hold something or whatever, because she's so not, she's so not in the public eye. Yeah. And I think you have people like that, like her and Phoebe Philo, who, of course, everyone loves her and she's so culty and, and beloved, but she's not, they're not someone like a Pharrell or like a, you know, Mark Jacobs or, or whatever. They're not so publicly known. They're more about the artistry, I guess. I feel like that's kind of reductive, but I think... I think you're right. And I feel like there's kind of been a change because like the hype cycle or attention cycle. I think think the attention span. You keep... You keep hearing about like the attention economy, the attention economy, and that's in regard to like social media and how people use our data and whatever now. But I think that's kind of hit fashion where... Mm hype didn't exist in this form even five years ago let alone 20 years ago when Burton started it no it's totally it's totally changed and yeah and even just the very nature of fashion has changed and like the nature of high-end fashion Mm. has changed and they're trying to keep up with what they think it is and I think as well there's no room for like dud collections there's no room for like if a collection doesn't do so well this year but it's someone's finding their vision or coming into their own but they're not quite there yet it has to be like they have to arrive fully formed. Fully formed and hitting the mark every single rather, time. Yeah, rather than being able to develop, which I think. And there's also a big restructuring going on at Caring. Caring? Yeah. Caring? Caring. Uh, and that is the company that owns McQueen, owns Balenciaga, St. Laurent and Bottega. And Francois-Henri Pinot owns Caring. He's married to Sam Hayek. He also has a child with Linda Evangelista. 
Oh, wow. My man is a king. I want to attend their Christmases. Yeah, me too. So he, he owns Caring and they're in direct com- competition with LVMH who own Dior, Louis Vuitton and Givenchy. But there's been Yahoo, Drew Structuring. As in just- Caring- oh, and Caring also owns Gucci. I'm sorry. As in just corporate restructuring? Or- As in the restructuring of the creative directors. So they own Gucci. Okay. Alessandro's out at Gucci. Yeah. Then the chief executive of Gucci is stepping down. They've appointed someone else at Chanel. The board of directors is now different because someone's moved from St. Laurent to Chanel. There's a lot going on in all of the brands. But what's the goal? Like, are they just trying to be more like commercial know. and profitable? I, I guess I so. feel like that kind of always comes at the expense of creativity. And yeah. when you're a creative director, that role has typically been very creative. And yeah. when you conflate that with profitability, when there's such limited space for those two concepts to exist together to begin with. Yeah. You're going to have this turnover of creative directors and God knows what fashion is going to look like in the next couple of years. Oh, totally. And you have more and more designers who are leaving those bigger conglomerates like Caring and LVMH. Like you have Phoebe Philo who's coming back with her, you know, she was at Chloe, she was at Celine. Now she's coming out with her own line, which is direct to consumer. It's not, she's got her own thing. It's all her. And I think more and more people are probably going to be wanting that independence rather than being at the mercy of a bigger company. But also you don't have the same resources when you go independent. So that also makes sense. But it's it's just an interesting time, I think. Even Ruigi Villasenor, he obviously has Rude, his brand, Mm. and he was also at Bali for barely a year. I I never think about Bali. No, but he was kind of brought in to like inject that like young, refreshed image to Bali. That's what always happens. And he left and afterwards on Twitter, he kind of alluded to like restrictions on his decision-making and creative freedom. Which I love it when they do just, that. I love it. Give me all of the dirt. But you'd assume those things are kind of a given in that role. And he obviously assumed it was a given in that role in a very established fashion house. And he didn't find that. So now he has more success with Rude. Yeah, I think there are definitely like corporate restrictions that we wouldn't think about. That also I think a creative person going into that role wouldn't think about that you then have to adhere to to become like commercially viable and commercially successful totally rather than just being like I'm gonna make the most beautiful collection I can think of it's like I have to make the most beautiful collection I can think of that will sell and be something to all consumers not just going to one facet da di da di da you're having to dumb it down you're having to you have to appease the masses now yeah and you have to appeal to the lowest common denominator yeah and I think that goes back into the idea that the nature of fashion has changed and higher than has changed because we're all consuming fashion content now it's not just the customers who want those collections or can afford those collections who are looking at them it's your average 17 year old on TikTok. Like yeah. the audience has changed so much. Yeah, for sure. And everyone has an opinion. Everyone, everyone is a critic. Well, like us, I mean, we're sitting here, we have opinions. Everyone's a critic. Everyone has something to say about it. Yeah, but our opinions are wonderful and fantastic. Yeah, exactly. Our opinion. Great. Great. You should keep listening to our podcast. But Please. I also feel like in fashion, there's this very pervasive attitude that there's always someone better. Like there's always someone that's going to be more disruptive. There's always going to be someone who can capture attention oh, yeah. more efficiently. And it's the most quotable line ever. A million girls will kill for this job. Exactly. There's always going to be someone else. And creative directors are kind of being asked to create moments more than they're being asked yeah. to create fashion now. So they're always just going to find that next person to see if they can do it better and you have people like you still think about moments from you know years ago like speaking of alexander mcqueen the dress with shalom harlow the highland rape collection even more recently coperni 
with the Bella Hadid, you know, when she like got the dress sprayed on her. Yeah. And talk about a moment. And they're doing a documentary about that now. They're doing a documentary. So a year later, they're they're really milking it for all it's worth, but they're proud of it. And it was a moment and they're using it. So I think that happened as well with Raph Rafe Simmons in when he went to Dior and there was a whole documentary about it. And it was kind of, he was coming in to revitalize or to do, you know, to jazz things up. And he found that really difficult as well. And then he went to Prada and went you know to other houses and it worked a lot better for his particular vision because he felt like he couldn't do the best work he could at Dior also side note watch that documentary it's really really good yeah he was at Dior and then he went to Calvin Klein and Prada which are completely different vibes much more minimalist much more his speed and he's kind of a flip to Phoebe Philo because he he stopped working on his own namesake label Mm. when after joining Prada and kind of finding his feet there so that's another that throw that into the mix where yeah we also have creative directors who are very very solid at their current houses who are devoting all of their time to if we could have anticipated any creative director leaving it would have been demna but they I, weathered that storm i know that's the thing when, when they announced sarah i was like surely not dem like it would have been demna for me not yeah. for me i really like balenciaga currently i really like what's you know coming out of that house but I was really surprised yeah especially because we've kind of seen that creative directors are not disposable that's no but but there's always going to be another person who can do it better and it's it's more about like the to make a really rogue kind of statement it's more about like it's kind of like the royal family it's like it's not only about you it's about taking care of the whole bigger picture it's not about like it's not about Sarah Burton it's about McQueen the brand Mm. it's not about William McKay it's about the house of Windsor it's yeah. not do you know what I mean that's a really random like comparison no, no, but I think you. it's I'm more following. just like it's overarching you're not yeah. thinking about you're just one piece of the puzzle at this point in time yeah it's not about you you're you're contributing something to the overall overarching vision of this house yeah you will come and you will go and yeah. there will be someone after you and there'll be someone before you and the brand is always going to keep evolving and yeah. at the moment it just it feels like everyone's going but which way do we evolve what's next what are we doing yeah it's like the brand will always be there you won't yeah Essentially, it, it, that that's fashion. That's showbiz, baby. Yep, that's all. But at the same time, I obviously it's fashion month at the moment. I've seen a few people questioning whether the fashion calendar will stay as it is because it sounds very intense. It does. We knew that, but now that people are putting on more of a spectacle, now that we're yeah. expecting shows to be like novellas in a factory yeah um, yeah are we going to see the fashion calendar change at all and are we going to see these kind of buying cycles stay because fashion is very traditional and Mm. I know there are people listening to this who are going to go no it has to stay because they're our publishing cycles and they're our yeah um, buying cycles and they're our seasons but things are shaking up I wonder because you have something like you know New York Fashion Week obviously incredibly intense but then you go to London and they've got Vogue World which was just absolutely insane. Like it was insanely good. I really enjoyed it. But there was so much content coming out of it. So much being churned out. So much going on. I think they did it last year or previously in New York. Will that go to Paris next year? Will that go to Milan? What will happen there? That's a whole event within Fashion Week. So just, it, I mean, it boggles the mind, to be honest. I'm like, everyone's working on Fashion Week. Everyone's working on all these different shows. Then you have the Vogue World thing, which is completely separate yet it's within everything yeah and it's so much to organize it's so much to organize like it, it's it's not just Bryant Park 
tense anymore. No. It's- oh my God. No. That it's- just reminds me of like Ugly Betty when they did all of the Fashion Week episodes at Bryant Park and Devil Wears Prada. And Gossip Girl. And Gossip Girl, of course. But yeah, I mean, I just want to talk about Vogue World really quickly. Yeah, because the supers, the supermodels reunited at Vogue World. Christy and Fendi, Linda and Valentino, Naomi and McQueen and Cindy and Versace. I feel like they've just been popping up every so often for the past like year, two yeah. years. And now we're here. I love it. And also obviously it works very well for them because their Apple TV series is just about to come out. Their British Vogue and American Vogue covers just came out linda is obviously back in the public eye which yay Yay. i love linda so much and it's just so exciting and they walked to annie lennox which is i mean where else and how else would you walk and linda actually also revealed in a recent interview i think it was with the wall street journal that she's had cancer twice did you know this no i didn't see that cancer twice and she underwent a double mastectomy after her first diagnosis five years ago and listen oh my God, to this that's recent. Yeah, so this is insane. So yeah, she her breast cancer was detected in 2018 during an annual mammogram. And then four years after her surgery in July last year, she was then diagnosed with cancer of the pectoral muscle. Oh so God. she had ke- chemo and radiotherapy. And then this is so baddie of her. She this is quoted in the thing. She told her doctor to dig a hole in my chest, she recalled. I don't want it to look pretty. I want you to ex- excavate. I want to see a hole in my chest when you're done. Do you understand me? I'm not dying from this, she said. I mean, after everything she's gone through, the fat freezing, the whole thing, dig a hole in my chest. Can you believe that? No, God. That's awful. That it's is awful. It's a horrible story. It's but awful, but what an attitude. What an attitude. We love her. Like, what a way to just be like, I'm not dying from this. Yeah. And now she's here. She's back walking. She's back walking. She's back with the girls. She's back. That that also leads into something we will be watching next week. Yes. Victoria's Secret, the tour is happening. Mm. I've seen snippets and they've been advertising the I'm hell intrigued. out of it. I am intrigued. I also but just don't believe in this rebrand i just don't i also just don't really care yeah i also just feel so detached and indifferent obviously we will be discussing it because this is what we are now doing this is our jobs so come back come back and we'll talk about it and i promise to be less ambivalent about it i mean did you watch the whole documentary series about all the shit that went down at victoria's secret i did yeah it's like how do you come back from that yeah that's what intrigues me and it's the fact that they're coming back with all the same models and all the same concepts, the wings. Yes, they might be supporting small designers, but they could have very easily platformed their own costume designers previously. It just feels like such a, not a distraction. I don't, I don't want to jump on my Russell brand. What's no, the, no. What's the agenda? <laughs> I think it's just probably something that they could have let die. Yeah. And they just didn't. And it feels to me, it's a bit money grabbing. It is. Which of course it is because it's, fashion industry it says it's a commercial thing there is money attached to everything it's a big brand everyone knows even if you haven't watched a whole victoria's secret show you know of it yeah you know what it is you know that people play there it's you know taylor swift's been there harry styles fallout boy whatever it's a thing and there's the million dollar bra and miranda kerr and all these things and it's everyone has a little bit of knowledge about it even if you don't think you do but i'm like does it really have to come back is the world really missing that i don't know what I don't do you know. think i don't know i think we should unpack next week if you take anything from today's episode is that it's exactly what you just said fashion is big yeah fashion is messy we need to wrap it up there yeah because we have been talking for a little while and we spoke before we got on mic and we will probably speak after yep. we shut off absolutely so 
But thank you so much for joining us for our first episode. Please come back. We don't know what we'll be talking about every single week. Just whatever's happening is kind of like the headlines that we don't see people talking about. The things that maybe need to be broken down a bit further. Yeah, your gals. And yeah, come back, rate, review, subscribe. We'll see you next week. Yeah, we'll see you next week. That's all. Bye.